2: And welcome to the show, and I know you know how much I've been talking about this month. I've been talking about this month all year, and guess what? I'll still keep talking about it after our big celebration, but as you all know, this is it coming up, the 20th anniversary of the signing of the Americans with Disabilities Month Act. And this month, to celebrate that signing, We have such great guests on the show, like the Thornburgs, like Tony Coelho, but we are starting off the month with a favorite of all of ours and someone that many of you have written in to me about, and that is Andy Imperato, a civil rights leader and advocate for people with disabilities, the CEO of the American Association of People with Disabilities, but most importantly a friend to all of us, as you've heard me say many times, the real deal he is. Andy, welcome to the show.
3: Thank you, Joyce. It's great to be here.
2: Well, it's great to have you here. Now, Andy, I know you weren't on the lawn at the White House because you just told me a few minutes ago you were not, uh, but tell me, did you even have any recognition of how important this was when it happened?
3: Well, Joyce, you know, it's interesting. I think I was like a lot of Americans with disabilities who were not involved in the movement that led to the passage of the ADA. You know, my disability, bipolar disorder, kicked in for me in the uh, winter of 1990. So I was dealing with the new onset of a disability. I'm sure I wasn't even thinking of it as a disability at that point. If you can think back to when you were dealing with, you know, the epilepsy diagnosis, it probably took you a while to think of it as a disability. So I was actually working in legal services in Cambridge, Massachusetts, when the law was signed, and I was completely unaware that it was happening. And I was advocating for children and adults who were trying to get their disability benefits. So I was even working in the disability field, but I was not aware aware. of what civil rights law was being signed. You
2: know what, Andy?
0: experts call toll-free right now 1-866-472-5787 Hello? and ask our all-star team to answer your questions. that's 1-866-472-5787 thank you for calling voiceamerica.com get ready for a show that breaks ground on the subject of women in motorsports and what it takes to dream believe achieve Gas and Go with Alio is all about the movement that is happening lightning fast in women's racing. You'll get a wide array of perspectives, from the drivers to the fans, as well as what it takes to be a role model in a male-dominated sport. Join your host, professional driver Allie Owens, for Gas and Go with Alio Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on the Power Up Motorsports Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. If you have a question or comment, call in toll free at 1 866 472 5788. Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender.
2: Well, if anyone you know, if anyone out there knows both me and Andy, I would have to say together we are two fireballs so put us on the on the radio together and we blew the lines out but do I have you back there Andy
3: yes I'm back
2: okay what we were talking about is that neither one of us and you can see how upset we were that we didn't get to be on the White House lawn but actually what Andy when the ADA was signed what Andy was talking about is that although he had a disability he really didn't realize the impact And guess what? Neither did I, because I have epilepsy, as you well know, but, you know, I really didn't get it. I didn't get it for for a while, Um, and I'm sure there are many people like that, but thank goodness that we did have that great day or we wouldn't have what we have today. But, Andy, I know you know a lot about the history of that day. So, in addition to the president, do you know who some of the speakers were the day the ADA was signed 20 years ago?
3: Well, you know, I think the iconic um, photograph from the day has the people actually up on the stage with President Bush when he signed it. And it was a pretty small group that was up on the stage, typically when a president signs an important civil rights law. They, ha- they do it inside, not outside, and they have a number of members of Congress standing behind them. When they are outside, they're typically in the Rose Garden, which cannot accommodate as many people as the South Lawn. So this was kind of an unorthodox signing ceremony for lots of reasons. But the people who were up on the stage with President Bush were Justin Dart, Evan Kemp, who was the chair of the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission at the time, uh, Sandy Perino, who was the chair of the National Council on Disability at the time and uh was um a parent advocate uh from Connecticut um and uh, uh a priest who had no arms who when president bush passed him the pen the signing pen he slipped his uh foot out of his shoe and grabbed the pen with his foot and slipped uh, the pen into his breast pocket <laughs> Um and that was it in terms of who was on the stage. Dick Thornburg, the attorney general was there and my understanding is that he spoke. There actually is a great video of the whole signing ceremony at the Justice Department website um at ada.gov. Um they have a link to a video where you can actually see the signing ceremony. But Joyce I'm embarrassed to tell you I don't know who all the speakers were before the bill was actually signed. Obviously President Bush spoke, but I don't know how many people spoke, and I don't know who they were.
2: Well, I'm very excited to tell you that I got this shadow box I'm looking at with uh, Evan Kemp's remarks on it because uh, I was at a of event many years ago where I wanted this shadow box his wife had put together, Um, and it is so beautiful. It's one of my most treasured. Possessions is this shadow box with a photograph of those people you were talking about, uh, the ADA, the pen, one of the pens, you know, the button, um, and his words, Evan Kemp's words that he was saying that he, from the night before that, um, he was practicing. Um, and it does mean so much to me to have that. But why I'm asking you that, Andy, is that it is amazing to me that there are so many people with disabilities that really don't know that much about that day or the signing of the ADA.
3: Well, I think that's right, but I I think what, what a lot of us who kind of came into the movement after the bill was signed in 1990 have realized is that July 26th every year is a huge opportunity for our community. I mean, in Washington, and Joyce, I know you're in Washington a lot around the ADA anniversary, That day is always a day for the President of the United States to make an important announcement or do an important activity with our community. It's always a day for senators and congresspeople and leaders from our community to come together, remember what was done in 1990, look at how we're doing as a country, and try to take some concrete action to move ourselves forward in the direction that is consistent with the ADA. So from my perspective, it is important for us to know our history but it's also important for all of us to know that that's a living history that we can still impact moving forward.
2: Yes, that is so true. Well, we have a question for you here uh, from a Maryland in Tennessee, and the question is, um, Andy, thank you so much for all you are doing. In your opinion, do you feel that you have had a great impact on people with disabilities as far as them being more self-confident and independent?
3: Well, thanks for that question. You know, I, I think there's a limit to how much any one person, how much of an impact any of us can have as individuals. But I will tell you that one of my favorite things that I do in my job is work with college students with disabilities. AAPD has a congressional internship program and an IT internship program where we bring 18 college students with a wide range of disabilities to Washington every summer, and they all live together in undergraduate housing at GW. Eight of them work on the Hill for members of Congress, and ten of them work in the executive branch doing IT jobs. And one of the things that I try to do with the interns is really help them understand why it's important for them to know the history of the disability rights movement why it's important for them to have some pride in their identity as a person with a disability. Um, And, you know, I I would say to the extent that I've had a positive impact, um, the thing that I'm the most proud of is when I can help somebody move along in their own path in terms of the way they think about themselves and their own disability identity. And if they come away from hearing me give a speech or spending time with me during the summer or participating in an event with me, and feel more proud and more out as a person with a disability, then I feel good about the impact that I've had.
2: And so, Andy, what are the reasons that people don't feel like that?
3: Well, part of it, Joyce, and I know you you know this just, you know, from a lot of the work that you do, uh, we all get messages from a variety of people in our lives that tell us not to emphasize our disabilities. You know, how many times have you heard the, the idea that it's the disability is not what matters, it's only the ability that matters. You know, and people who say that, I think they, they're trying to deliver a positive message. But I think what that message misses is that, no, in fact, disabilities do matter, and they can matter in a positive direction. They're, a, you know, a natural part of human diversity. And our experience as disabled people can make us better uh, and better qualified for positions. Uh, than if we did not have that experience. So, you know, Joyce, just think about medical doctors who convey diagnoses. Think about parents who, you know, carry around oftentimes some fear for their children. They don't want their children to be co-branded with a position, you know, with a, uh, condition that has, uh, you know, negative connotations. So a lot of parents say to their children, don't talk about your disability. Just focus on what you can do. A lot of, you know, medical professionals say this is confidential information. Don't tell anybody. And, you know, I think what's missing for a lot of the advisors, you know, for young people in our community is the idea that your disability is a positive differentiator that can help you get farther faster than you'll get if you're not open and out with your disability.
2: And, and here is the question that we get frequently uh, Andy, on this show. And that is, <clears throat> why do you emphasize the word disability when that is negative?
3: Well, you know, and, and people ask me a lot at A P D, you know, you guys are the American Association of People with Disabilities. You know, how do you define disability? And I always say that we see it as a political word, not a medical word. So from our perspective, um, the reason to call oneself a disabled person or a person with a disability is it's kind of a bold statement that you're you feel connected to this broad constituency that has a lot of diversity within it, um, but that has ex- has kind of a common experience with fears, myths, and stereotypes, you know, paternalism, segregation, discrimination. And you know, I mean I, I would analogize to you know other words that, Over time, have taken on a political connotation. You know, in the disability field, our civil rights law is called the Americans with Disabilities Act. So, for us, people with disabilities is our political way of referring to ourselves. Is it the perfect language, you know, in terms of the way the word is understood in English? Probably not, but we haven't come up with a better way to refer to ourselves. You know, people tried, uh, things like physically challenged, mentally challenged, I mean, we've all heard a whole bunch of different euphemisms to describe people with disabilities, and I know, as a person with a disability myself with bipolar disorder, the term that I like is disability.
2: And I am in total agreement with you because, as Andy pointed out, I I look at I look at this I look at the word as you stated, Andy, in a political uh, format. But it's when people start telling me. I don't like the word, don't say the word, change the word. I'm thinking, oh, why? You know, let's get, if you want to get down and dirty here, I am a person living with a disability. I'm living with epilepsy and hearing loss. However, I'm not ashamed. That's part of our culture. That's just part of who we are. But it's when people start all these other things or other ways of saying it that, that I really do feel that is part of that answer to that question I was asking you before about why do people feel inferior or ashamed, you know, if they are people with a disability. But I know one person that worked to change that, and that was Justin Dart. And Yoshiko, Yoshiko Dart, best wishes to you. This whole month, Yoshiko, the entire month, this month, celebrating the 20th anniversary, but as Andy said, every year will, of course, be in remembrance of the spirit of the great Justin Dart Jr., who, unlike Andy, I did not know Justin as well, although I always tell Yoshiko he is still with with us. Uh, but anyone listening to the show today, if you don't know about Justin Dart Jr., You better get on Google and start reading about him because he is the father of the Americans with Disabilities Act, uh, a person that lived with polio that really devoted his life to true civil rights and advocacy till the end of his life in 2002. And, Andy, I know that you knew Justin extremely well, um, and somehow – He traveled, as you know, he and Yoshiko, with their own money, went throughout the United States several times, sometimes with groups of of people, up to 30,000 people listening to him speak, telling people why they need to get together to get that ADA signed, you know, why they need to call their congressmen. um, And why was he able to do it? This is my question.
3: Well, you know, I, I think... There's a lot of ways to answer that question, but, you know, from my perspective, um, Justin was a very unique individual. He was 100% committed to a bottom-up disability rights movement. He always understood that the most important people in this movement were grassroots leaders outside of Washington, and he did everything in his power to lift up people that were not perceived in a traditional Washington way as being important people. You know, so every time Justin gave a speech, he would acknowledge people at the beginning of his speech. And there were always, you know, folks in that list who were not, you know, uh, people that had big titles or important positions, but they were important to Justin because they were authentic leaders, you know, at a, at a grassroots level. Um, and they were important because they were, you know, disabled people in the room and non-disabled people in the room who were part of the solution in terms of whatever it was that Justin was trying to make happen. So when he worked on the ADA, he took his own value system and he built a bottom-up grassroots movement that was active in every state. He used the ADA to build a list of of leaders in every state And he communicated with that list repeatedly until the day he died. And and his widow, Yoshiko, continues to communicate with everyone on that list regularly. We all get holiday cards. Many of us get birthday cards. And that was kind of the unique personal approach that Justin and Yoshiko took, and it was very effective.
2: Well, we have started a group of people across the country. It's called the Bender Lead-On Team. Um, with With yoshiko's permission, of course, and young people that want to be leaders that are that also want to stand up when other people are being bullied and that want to help get people referred for employment because sometimes we can't reach out and find find people in colleges and universities, so in high school, so now we have students with disabilities doing that, but i I just want to tell you that. Uh, what a difference that makes. It makes such a difference. You, You know, when you're keeping in touch with people at that level, that is what it's all about. But, Andy, I know from the little few years that I knew him, he not only had a passion right to the end, but he could get everybody to talk to one another. You know, he could get everyone together. This seems to be a problem we have, getting everyone together.
3: Well, I think, you know, one of the ways that he did that choice and he did it very effectively and it was very genuine is, you know, when you were with Justin, you felt genuine love coming from him. And Justin did not turn on and off that spigot. That love emanated from him no matter who he was talking to. (laughs) And I think, you know, Justin had a way of genuinely making every person that he interacted with feel like they had an important role to play in support of dignity and human rights for people with disabilities and for all people. And, you know, when you have that kind of a way of interacting with people, it brings them together. You know, when you got a phone call from Justin Dart, you return the phone call. You know, when Justin Dart said, I need you to go to this event with me on this night at this time, you showed up, you know. And that happened because you knew that he loved you and he wouldn't ask you to do something if it wasn't important.
2: Well, Andy, that is how I feel about you. So I think with the key thing there is that he was so genuine. You know, being a genuine person, because I always say about Andy, at the end of the day, no matter what, he would put everything on the line if it was to help people with disabilities, and I know Justin was really a mentor to you. I mean, I'm sure you miss him very much, but can you share with everyone a little bit about the impact he had on you?
3: Sure. You know, I, the first time I met Justin uh, Joyce, I was at the White House at an event in the um, Indian Treaty Room, which is in the old executive office building. It's a beautiful space, and, um, in the part of the White House where a lot of the work happens, and um, I was sitting next to Bobby Silverstein, who I was working for at the time with Senator Harkin on the Senate Subcommittee on Disability Policy, and Justin rolled into the room, and Bobby introduced me to him, and he looked at me with a twinkle in his eye, and he said, you're in a great place. And, you know, that twinkle in his eye never left Justin for, you know, I mean, I ended up working closely with him for about 10 years, the last 10 years of his life. And, uh, you know, he just had a way of always making me feel like he believed in me, always making me feel important, always figuring out roles for me. Um, you know, I remember when I worked at EEOC, I was a special assistant to a commissioner, not a lot of status with my position, and, you know, Justin would always communicate with me like I was the commissioner, (laughs) and he just, he had that way of just kind of making you feel, when he was with you, like you were the most important person in his world, and the other thing that he did for me, which I very much appreciated, was confided in me about his own experience with depression, and he was very, very uh, supportive of me Being out, he told me repeatedly that his depression was his most significant part of his disability. And, uh, you know, and and if you look at the way he lived his life, the way he built our movement, he always made, you know, authentic leaders with psychiatric disabilities an important, integral part of the movement. And that was part of his vision.
2: He did. And I also know that he had. Uh, many people, specifically when he worked with places where there were people with psychiatric disabilities, to his home on the holidays, I know that was uh, very important to him. But the other thing you said, Andy, it didn't matter who the person was. That's how you know a great leader. doesn't matter who the person is. They were important to Justin. I mean, the thing that would bother him the most is when you start telling him, wow, what a great person you are what a great thing you've done and then right away he'd have to start telling you about you know how it's all these other people that do this and of course Yoshiko is the same way she's no different she also is a very humble wonderful person Um, we just need more people like that and Yoshiko was involved also with the 10th anniversary at the ADA because I do remember that shirt she has.
3: Absolutely. Well, and just one thing that I would say about Yoshiko, she, she doesn't like when people single her out for praise, and part of that is, I think, her personal you know value system. She doesn't like to draw attention to herself. But Justin Dart would have told you and told me repeatedly that he would never have been able to achieve what he achieved without Yoshiko as his full partner, and I fully believe that. Yoshiko right. was the, the fuel... And, the you know, the COO and the CFO and, on any given day, the CEO that helped Justin Dart do everything that he did.
2: Yes. And I would say, Yoshiko power.
3: (laughs) Exactly.
2: Yoshiko power. Lead on, Yoshiko. I know how you are about that power with everyone else, but you're the power, Yoshiko. And with that, we're going to go to break. If you just joined us. Here we are kicking off the big month for the 20th anniversary of the signing of the Americans with Disability, the Americans with Disabilities Act, and we have as our guest today, the president and CEO of the American Association of People with Disabilities, Andy Imperado at aapd.com. Don't go away, We'll be right back to talk to Andy. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back.
0: Women in business today face many challenges in advancing their careers and reaching their goals. There are corporate executives, entrepreneurs, and business owners that have made their mark in business. Now you can learn their secrets and tips. Listen to Women Mean Business as your host, Bonnie Marcus, explores how to thrive in the business environment, navigate the workplace, and climb the corporate ladder. Listen live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and effectively promote yourself today. Are you a wow, a wise, outrageous woman of a certain age who wants thrilling work, vibrant health, joyful relationships, financial freedom, and the new F word, fun, in the next stage of life? Join host Lynn Schreiber in the wow zone each week where you'll meet amazing women who are creating lives filled with passion, purpose, and pizzazz in the wow zone broadcast live every tuesday morning at 11 a.m eastern time 8 a.m pacific time on the voice america variety channel anything is possible hi i'm
1: greg grumberg from the tv show heroes
0: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Spender.
2: And welcome back. If you just joined us, we are talking to Andy Imparato, the president and CEO of the American Association of People with Disabilities, as this month we're celebrating the 20th anniversary of the signing of the ADA. And just for a moment here, you know, I am very proud to serve with Andy because I am on the board of the American Association of People with Disabilities, which is www.aa. Aapd dot com, and Andy, maybe we should take a moment for you just to talk about AAPD for a few minutes.
3: Sure. Well, you know, I I appreciate it, Joyce that um, you often have me on your show during the month where we celebrate the anniversary of the ADA because it's also AAPD's anniversary. We were founded on the fifth anniversary of the signing of the Americans with Disabilities Act, and a lot of the folks who came together to found AAPD were the folks who came together to get the ADA enacted into law. People like Justin Dart, uh, John Kemp, Bob Dole, Tony Coelho, Pat Wright. A lot of the leaders who had worked together on the ADA worked together to create APD and, and many of them served on the original board of directors. Um, we are a national membership organization. Our mission is to organize the disability community defined broadly so that we have more power politically, socially, and economically. We have a Facebook area, both a fan page and a cause on Facebook. We have a Twitter feed, which is just at AAPD. And we have a great listserv, which is free, called Justice for All, which you can sign up for at AAPD.com. So, you know, I encourage your listeners to get involved, to, to at a minimum sign up for our listserv, so that you can be up to date on what's happening in Washington and what's happening around the country as it relates to the ADA. We have a section of our website where we're posting every ADA anniversary event in the country that we know about. And I encourage your listeners to tell us if you have events that we're not, we haven't listed yet on our website. There's an email address on the website that you can send the information to and we'll put it up on our website.
2: All right, that's good. If you're listening, in all across America, if you're doing something, make sure you get that back to Andy again. The website www.aap.com. dot aap dot com. Um, and one other thing I want to mention: you know what? If you're not a member of AAPD, you should be. You know, here we are. We want change in America. We want to do. We want to be a powerhouse, which we should be. When there's so many Americans with disabilities, but here you have a group that's a cross-disability membership group. So easy to join. Why don't you make that part of your ADA celebration and go to aapd.com, take a few minutes, become a member. Uh, So many benefits to that, but you want to be part of this dynamic organization as we move forward in the future. And again, that's aapd.com. Well, Andy, you know my big thing. You know I talk about employment nonstop. That's really what I'm about. But here we are celebrating the 20th anniversary of the signing of the ADA, and don't get me wrong, I'm celebrating. Thank God we have this, or we would not have ramps. We wouldn't, you know, you'd still have employment applications saying you have to cite the medication that you take. I mean, we could go on forever about the things that have changed and the access people now have but there's that one frontier called employment that we have not yet conquered Um, in your opinion do you think part of that is due to the system we have in place
3: well yeah i mean uh, the way i look at that question joyce is you know part of it's because i'm in washington and i think about what is the government doing to kind of support people with disabilities who want to work. And if you look at where we're spending our government money, the vast majority of our dollars, $440 billion a year right now, are in SSI, SSDI, Medicaid, and Medicare. So that's income support programs, health care, and long-term services and support. In order for people with disabilities to qualify for those programs, they have to swear to the government that they're unable to work. You know, that definition of dis- of eligibility for Social Security dates back to 1956. So, you know, when people ask me the question, what can we do to change the employment picture for our community, I'd say let's start by taking a hard look at where we're spending our money. Why are we spending $440 billion on income support and health care and spending $3 billion on vocational rehabilitation? You know, I, I just feel like we're not investing in people – and expecting a return on that investment. Instead, we're maintaining people in poverty outside the economic mainstream. And I think that's immoral and wrong. And it's not simple to change, but I think that's the kind of thing that will make a big impact on employment outcomes.
2: And, Andy, why do you think the people are so comfortable with that? Why is it there more of an outrage?
3: Well, again, part of it, I think, is that it's so hard to change. And uh, the thing that I hear frequently is, be careful what you wish for, because whatever the new system is, there will be winners and losers. So some people will be harmed by a new way of providing support. And you know, because of the partisan climate in Washington, I hear from a lot of Democrats, be careful about your rhetoric, because it could be used by people who don't support the entitlement programs to just try to do away with them. And, you know, I appreciate that risk, and I don't think any of us want to take that risk lightly, but, you know, I feel like we, as disability advocates, we have to speak out and say we can come up with a better way to provide support than the current system, which is an anachronism in my view.
2: Right. Uh, not You know, this is the case where we're, we're not saying let's go to extremes. Uh, And, you know, why I say that is the amount of money that's being spent on this is unbelievable. But, sadly, I think that's because some people are more comfortable with people being on that type of system than being an employee at the company. That's just the mindset of how it has been for so long. I will never forget when, and I know you know this person, uh, one of the managers in my company Rico Brusco when he went to the Social Security office and told them he was so excited happiest day in his life that he had a job and that he no longer needed their Social Security and that they said sorry the way the system is set up you will have to continue receiving these checks for the next nine months and nine months later there he is he gave them all their checks back and they were in such a state, as you might guess, of shock, but he said, it's all about dignity. You know, it's all about that feeling of dignity. And that is what it's all about, and so I do understand why he did, why he did that. Well, Andy, we've got a big celebration coming up in D.C., so let's hear how is AAPD going to be part of it.
3: Well, you know, 10 years ago, Joyce, we did a torch relay that went to 24 cities celebrating the anniversary, so we knew that was going to be a tough act to follow. Um, What we're doing this year, which we're really excited about, is we're doing a large celebration during the National Council on Independent Living's annual conference, where we have 53 disability organizations, including Bender Consulting Services, working together to celebrate the ADA anniversary on July 20th. The details on that event are on our website at aapd.com. It's open to the public. Uh, tickets are $50 for individuals. And uh, it's basically a barbecue dance party. We're going to have Senator Harkin there, Steny Hoyer there, uh, other leaders from the administration and the Congress. And it's really just a chance for the community to come together and celebrate 20 years of civil rights. The following day, uh, there will be a series of events, including a march to the Hill, a rally on the Hill, again, connected to the Nickel Conference, um, other events on the Hill that day. There's going to be events at the EEOC, at the Justice Department, and then on the actual anniversary, um, on July 26th, there will be an event uh, in the Senate, Russell building, which is the largest building in the Senate. Uh, it will be a two-hour, uh, kind of a, like a hearing where they have folks talking about the ADA from a historical perspective, a current perspective, and then looking forward into the future. Um, The Speaker of the House is hosting a reception in the Capitol that day, and our expectation is that the White House will do a large event on the White House lawn that afternoon. So there's going to be a lot happening in Washington, and then there's stuff happening all over the country, and that's why we were excited to take on this project on our website. If you go to the website, you'll see there are activities literally all over the country happening that day and that week and uh... there's a big disability pride parade in chicago there's a first time ever disability pride parade in silicon valley that's being put on under the leadership of sarah triano who had been involved with the chicago parade when she was in chicago and there's just there's a great event in st louis but there's things that be happening all over the country
2: So, Andy, uh, for someone listening to this show right now, and they've gone to your website, but even in their area, if there isn't anything happening, like can't they, it doesn't matter what the size is. Um, I mean, really, if you want to do something in your community, I don't care if it's with ten people, you can do it, right?
3: Absolutely. I mean, you know, one thing that I think is a great activity on that day is um, try to host a house meeting with somebody who's running for office where you bring together some folks from your local community, people with and without disabilities, and you ask the candidate to come and talk about what they plan to do for people with disabilities if they're elected. Um, you could uh, ask for an editorial board meeting with your local newspaper and sit down with the editorial board and say, "It's been 20 years. You know, this is where we've made progress locally, and these are some areas where we still have work to do, and we could we'd really appreciate." Uh, you know, an editorial from your paper calling for our community to to kind of build on the progress and address some of the remaining barriers that people with disabilities experience. So there's a lot of things you can do. You're absolutely right, Joyce. It doesn't need to be an event with hundreds of people to have an impact.
2: And that's really how you get things going with these grassroots events. And any young people listening to the show right now, listen, at your schools, whether it's high school, college, I don't care where you are, you can do something, too, because the more people that do this, then the more people are going to get out there and understand that this is our civil rights law. That's what it is, folks. It's our civil rights that is why it is so critically important to you. And I will be very excited if President Obama does something special that day because that too will send a message from him to the disability community.
3: Absolutely.
2: Now, the Independent Living Centers, Andy, do they still go do something even though there's the large nickel conference?
3: Yeah, I mean, part of the reason the Nickel Conference, the National Council on Independent Living Conference, is happening the week before the ADA anniversary is so the leaders who are in Washington for that conference will be able to go home to their home states and do anniversary celebrations at home. So the Nickel Conference goes from July 19th to the 23rd. They'll all go home over that weekend, and many of them will be doing events in their home states on the 26th and 27th and that whole week. And I know Kelly Buckland, the head of the National Council on Independent Living, chose to be in his home state of Idaho on the actual anniversary this year uh, instead of staying in D.C. And, you know, I appreciate that. You know, he he sent made a statement there that what happens on the ground in Idaho uh, is is as important, if not more important, than what happens in Washington, D.C.
2: Jimmy, he'll be here for the Nickel Conference, then he's leaving. Correct. Yeah, well, isn't that something? Well, that doesn't surprise me about him either. Well, Andy, you know, over the next few years as we move forward, what do you hope to see AAPD accomplish?
3: Well, you know, it's funny, Joyce. uh, We had a a really fun gala celebration this past March where we uh, were able to give an award for the first time, an AAPD Image Award to Stevie Wonder. And I know you were there, Joyce, and I know you've, you've helped us grow that event from year to year and make it the success that it is. But the, I liked what Ted Kennedy Jr. said in the video that Comcast produced uh, after the event. They did a little highlight video. And Ted Kennedy said that his vision for AAPD is that every disabled person in the United States be a member of AAPD. And I think that's a great vision. I mean, obviously we have 135,000 members and there are over 50 million people with disabilities. So that's quite a, we've got quite a way to go, but it's a great vision. And I think, you know, when we were founded, the vision was to be like an AARP with 30 million members, you know, and that kind of clout. And I think the big thing that's happened since 1995 when we were founded, was our world has become more and more online, and we're all connecting with each other in lots of different ways through the Internet. So as you know, Joyce, we've been going through a shift at A P D where we're trying to use Twitter and Facebook and all of these kind of social networking technologies and other online strategies to find people, connect with them with AAPD, and connect them with each other. And I think this technology makes that a lot easier, and it's very exciting
2: yes i do too and i i agree with you yes someday we'll be saying where would we be without twitter which is
3: hard (laughs) to imagine
2: um well andy how about you before we ask these last two questions how about you you know when you think about your young life which you're a very young man um you know what what do you hope when people think about you that you know what kind of legacy do you hope that you'll leave
3: well, you know, I first of all, I'm not that young anymore, Joyce. I'm, I'm going to be 45 in August. So I'm, Yeah, I'm I remember, to, Andy.
2: I'm 56. As I said, I you're a very young man. Go
3: ahead. But I, I think if you talk to our congressional interns, they may not think of me as a young young person. But um, they haven't you know, met a
2: lot of the senators yet.
3: <laughs> I think you know what I am hoping, Joyce, is that um, I can spend more time as I get older. Um, writing about um, our our movement, writing about kind of our our cause, um, and and reach you know kind of broader and broader audiences with my written communication and my verbal communications. I feel like one of the most important things we can do as disability advocates is take the time to explain what it is that we want and why we want it and how to get there. And, you know, that could be legislative. It could be, you know, how we want to be depicted in Hollywood or other, you know, kind of creative media. It could be, you know, educating people about our history. Um, it could be recognizing that we're part of a global movement and educating people about how that global movement is expressing itself around the world. Um, but I do feel like I need, as I get older, I need to spend more time uh, putting some of this down in writing because I, I feel like that's how you create a legacy and that's how you reach a broader audience. There are people, I'll give you a small example. I know we're going to run out of time, but I was in Montenegro for a week uh, in March. I did a, a trip for the uh, State Department and I spent a lot of time with the Association for Youth with Disabilities in Montenegro. And the leader of that group, um, uh, who I was very impressed with, he told me that he read Joe Shapiro's No Pity in English, and he reached out to Joe Shapiro because he wanted it to get translated into Serbian, which is the native language in Montenegro. Although they call it Montenegrin, but he wanted to get it translated so that it could reach a broader audience because the book had a huge impact on him. You know, and no I feel kidding. like I feel like Joyce Bender and Tony Coelho and Andy Imperato and Ted Kennedy Jr and lots of folks, Kelly Buckland, lots of folks who are out there doing this work every day. We need to stop and take the time to write some of this stuff down, like Joe Shapiro did, and and recognize that there are young people with disabilities all over the world who will be inspired by the message.
2: Andy, you are so right. You are so right. And, Andy, I think you should do that. I, th- I think that is a... Great idea. I think you should do that because we forget. And sadly, if we forget to write this down, guess what? No one will ever know. That's one of the whole problems. I was so stunned when I had all these college interns in a few years ago, some with disabilities, some without. One of the ones without was Bill Babe, Greg Babe's son. And at the end of his time here, I said, so, Bill, what would you say you learned the most from being here? He said, what did I learn? I learned that although, and he did, he graduated from a very premier college, through high school and college, I really never heard anything at all about Justin Dart, Tony Coelho, any of these things you talk about. I learned that they don't talk about this in my classes and at school. And I thought, wow. You know, we don't even think about this. And you know what? That book, No Pity, is probably like the main classic book that everyone goes to, wouldn't you say?
3: I would, but let's re- let's remember that that book came out in 1992. I read that book in 1993. A lot has happened in the last 17 years. Yes. So I don't know if Joe Shapiro is going to do a supplement, but our history needs to be brought up to date. You know, And, again, I think it's important for people who have lived through that history, you know, pre-1992 and post-1992 for some of us to take the time to, to write about it.
2: Well, Andy, start writing.
3: <laughs> hey, don't forget, Joyce, I, I put you in that category as well. I know.
2: I agree. No, I'm agreeing with you. We're all responsible. We, we are. We're all responsible because we've all been given this great blessing that we could be in a leadership role to help others, you know, and I'm always grateful for that. But we should not squander that because it is such an honor to be given that opportunity. Uh, well, Andy, you have already accomplished so much in your life, but over this past year and beyond, what would you say is your greatest accomplishment?
3: You know, it's that's always a tough um question to answer Joyce. I I, the thing I feel best about are my two boys. You know, as you've met them, you know, Gareth and Nicholas, they're sixteen and eleven. You know, I can't imagine two better human beings. Uh you know, those accomplishments are their accomplishments, they're not mine. But I'm very proud of them. You know, so I mean that's the bottom line. I've done things legislatively, professionally, whatever, but the things I'm the most proud of right now are my two boys.
2: And I can see why you me. be. Um, and I, too, have met them, and they are wonderful. Although, you can also be proud, Andy, of what you've done with AAPD because you have taken it to another level. The gala, Andy, talked about only one way I could describe it, magnificent. So don't miss it. It's in March, the end of March. Every yeah, the,
3: the gala for next year is March 15th, and it's going to be in the same venue as it was this year, which is um, the Ronald Reagan Building International Trade Center in Washington, D.C., and we'll have details on it uh, in the fall up on our website. But we have the date. It's set for March 15th. It's going to be another great event next year. And, Joyce, I just want to say, that you know, to the extent that we have accomplished things at APD. It's because people like you are on our board. The the staff don't do it alone. We do it with incredible volunteers like you and Tony and Cheryl Fentzenbrenner and Margaret Staten and so many, Helen Roth, so many wonderful board leaders that we've had over the years. So it's been a labor of love, uh, and we're just getting started.
2: That's right. We're just getting started. And if you're listening to the show, whether you're a company, young person, Older person, I don't care. You need to join aapd.com dot com. Go. You can become a member. Be part of the excitement. Be part of being a leader, a leader in America for change. Well, Andy, what message would you like to leave with our listeners today?
3: You know, I'd, I'd, the message that I would leave is the Justin Dart message. I mean, what the most important thing Justin said all of us, was very consistent with what you just said. He said to all of us that we need to get involved in this movement. We need to get involved politically. We need to get involved in part because our lives depend upon it, and we need to get involved as leaders. And he ended every speech by saying, lead on, and that is what we all need to do.
2: Yes, we all need to lead on. And you know what? If you just joined the show too and you didn't get to hear the whole show, remember, it's archived at BenderConsult.com and VoiceAmerica.com. And we'll get it out there on our networks because this is our way of celebrating this whole month, the 20th anniversary of the signing of the ADA with great leaders like Andy and Um And, Andy, I do want to not only thank you for being on the show, but I want to tell you I admire you. I think so highly of you, and thank you so much for all you're doing for the disability community.
3: Thank you, Joyce. It's mutual.
2: Okay, well, before we go, before we end the show, we always send with a quote from a famous civil rights leader, and don't you know it has to be, Justin Dart, who said, I propose that we of the disabilities community unite with all who love justice, to lead a revolution of empowerment, said Justin Dart, Jr. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where we want a revolution of empowerment at voiceamerica.com. See you next week.